Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You sum up the day. Yeah, honestly, just felt like we got behind early. After the milk spill and the marker on the wall, we just felt like we were playing catch up the rest of the day. Right before you went to the store, you called a timeout. Was there an attitude change after that? Yeah, it felt like we were losing our heads there for a minute, so we wanted to just calm things down and uh, get back to the basics. Did you ever find your keys? No. No, no idea where they are. You gave them a snack half hour before dinner. Was that planned? No. I lost track of time. Was Just wasn't thinking. And so, you know, three bites of dinner. That's on me. It didn't look like you had many answers to the double team. Is it a question? podcast on the athletic network it's friday june 18th this is the drop because it's the end of the week i'm jay skeets alongside me as always tass mellis what's up everybody what's up tass got my top shot hot boy fellow freak trey kirby hey hey the international man of mystery taking it to the max lee ellis friends and last certainly not least making the magic happen is jd Hello. There he is. Here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Smash that like button. Leave your comments below the vid. And make sure you subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube, especially if you're a new viewer here this morning. Keep sending in your questions and comments for the next Beach Steppin' podcast. Email them in. That's the best way to do it. No Dunks at theathletic.com. And finally, go grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. I got the uh, beautiful purple no dunks t-shirt on right there so you can go over to nodunks.com and grab your own okay lots to talk about uh we'll get to nets bucks and what we can expect in game seven on saturday we'll uh debate i guess the most desirable nba head coaching job available there's seven as of right this second Hmm. uh maybe eight later this weekend who knows maybe nine lee maybe ten oh maybe (laughs) eleven we've got tweet of the night we've got rapid fire because it is the drop But first, breaking news this morning, and to help set it up, we turn now to the Southern Lawyer. (laughs) We got ourselves a tree! There he is! It's been a while since we've heard from the Southern Lawyer. Yeah, we do. We got a Woj bomb here. Before recording the No Dunks podcast, thank you, Woj. Thank you, Celtics. Thank you, Thunder. Thank you, NBA. Yeah. The report, the Celtics are trading Kemba Walker, their 2021 first-round pick, the 16th overall pick in this year's draft, and a future second-round pick to OKC for a package that includes Al Horford and those beautiful eyes, sweet Moses Brown, and then a 2023 second-rounder. Out of nowhere, Lily, what's your immediate uh, reaction to this trade with Walker going to OKC and Horford going back to Boston? Well, we heard that Kemba Walker and the Boston Celtics both wanted to part ways, and that happened fairly quickly, really. Um, Kemba Walker was obviously a big free agent signing there. He was a good player, but those injuries really started to stack up, and uh, he really just couldn't stay on the floor, and they still owed him 
potentially two years and 74 million. I think it was that second year was a player option. And the Celtics clearly just decided that uh, he didn't want to be here. We can see what we can get for him. You just call up Sam Presti and say, I'll give you a first round pick if you just take my guy. Will you do that? Will you do that? They get uh, Al Horford back in Boston. And um, look, Al Horford's, I think, 34 now. Um, you know, he's, I think, I believe he's got one year left on his contract uh, after this season. And he's still probably an upgrade of what they have in the middle, but I'm not sure he's going to be there long term. I'm sure there's probably more to happen to this. And, and the same thing with Kemba in OKC. I'd, I'd say uh, that Sam Presti will probably hang on to him for a bit. Um, but I think long term, he's going to try to move him somewhere else because OKC is clearly at a different stage in terms of rebuilding and, and, and uh, restarting there. They're trying to you know, build from the bottom up and Kemba at this stage of his career wants to go to a contender. So there, there's possibly more to uh, happen there. But... Um, yeah, you know, uh, Kemba, it, it's a funny one because he was uh, a really uh, good player when he played on those uh, Celtics teams. I thought he was so important to their offense. But when a guy's uh, knee injuries start to pile up like that, he got frustrated with the team. I think the team got frustrated with him uh, and they decided to move on. So Brad Stevens makes his first big move as a free as a uh, general manager here and um, gives up a first-round pick, gets Mo- Moses Brown... Uh, you know, he showed some... He, I think he had big beef, didn't he? Uh, had Australia, a huge beef. Yeah. yeah, I think he had 19 rebounds in the first half of his big yeah. beef, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, people are saying he averaged basically 15 and 15 in the two games against the Celtics, too. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe This guy's killing us. Bring he's him good. in. He's, he's, he's yeah. good. You take a flyer on him. I mean, he's playing yeah. in games that are basically meaningless. Uh, you know, now you're on a squad that has goals and wants to uh, go far in the playoffs. We'll see what he can do in that situation. He's still likely, I guess, with Horford there, he's... The third big. I mean, he's yeah. not going to be starting on this team by any means. It's, it's you know, Robert Williams and then Horford, I would assume, if he is still there and then him. But, yeah, it's uh, Kemba just getting off that uh, task and saying, you know, save us a little bit of money. You do save money between the Kemba and Horford contracts. Horford in 2022-23, it's a partially guaranteed deal. Right. Uh, so it opens up options for them, too. What, what's the plan here, though, from Brad Stevens' task? Is it just like we got to try and find that third star and we've decided it's not going to be Kemba Walker to pair with? With Tatum and Brown, uh, like, what do you think uh, his thinking is here? Yeah, the Celtics won this trade for sure. They're getting off of Kemba's seventy-three million dollars that he has left. He's on the wrong side of his career, that's for sure. And you'd say, well, so is Al Horford, uh, but he's twenty million dollars less. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also get a prospect back in this deal in Moses Brown, who. He's 21 years old. He had a seven-block game. Sure, it could be Walter Herman stats at the end of a year, but at <laughs> nice least one. he's at least he's seven-two and huge and a rim deterrent yeah. and uh, it's got some potential in this league. He's 21. He's young. Isn't this what OKC collects all those draft picks for to get somebody like Moses Brown? I hate this deal for OKC. I don't see how it makes a lot of sense for them. They get the 16th pick back. Maybe you get somebody better than Moses Brown, I suppose. Mm-hmm. There's a chance. Maybe a package, all these draft picks that you have. But uh, I, I guess they really have a feel of Moses Brown and they don't like him. But from what I saw, he's 7'2". He moves around the paint fairly well for a huge guy. I understand that he can't get to the three-point line all that great for a defensive player and maybe this isn't his era. But you're taking on $73 million of Kemba Walker, who we know is not... He's just not the same Kemba Walker. To get rid of 53, uh, not totally guaranteed, of Al Horford for the 16th pick in the draft. What are we doing here? I just don't <laughs> well, get it. Here. Is it I do isn't not Sam get Presti it. just hoping what he's done before, taking on like 
point guards with big contracts and sort of rehabilitate their, uh, you know, their image to the rest of the league and then flip it for more? Is that probably what he's thinking here with Kemba Walker? It's definitely not Kemba Walker is going to take us to the promised land. It's, <laughs> I think, bring him in and then he either plays well, like, you know, Schroeder there, well. of course, Chris How Paul well there, and then, play? and then get more, I guess, in return for them. I, I, I think I that's what he's thinking is. I'm with it's you. Expensive. The that's an expensive gamble. Go ahead. It's an expensive gamble. It's just yeah. 73 mil. That's a lot of... A lot of bucks yeah, sure. that he's going to be paid over the next two years. So you got to handcuff yourself with the salary cap as well. I, I get what you're saying, uh, but you know, I, I just, I just don't. So Al turned into uh, the 16th pick, but you also had to trade a pretty good prospect. And yeah, I guess yeah, you, like you said, you hope he's Schroeder, uh, and he turns into something. What did they get for Schroeder? I, I don't even. <laughs> Jesus, off the top Danny of my Green in a first round yeah. pick. Oh, and then yeah. They yeah. traded another Danny pick. Green for yeah. another first round yeah. pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this, that's what this is all going to be. Yeah. This is just going to be Kemba Walker. Maybe he plays half a season in OKC until the next uh, next trade deadline, in which case he will be traded for more picks because that's how you win a trade on the internet these days. Trade away all your players, bring in picks, even though they're not even going to play for your team. Weird stuff, though. I don't know. I guess the Celtics win this because they're getting off the Kemba Walker deal, and there's honestly too much duplication on that roster. Your best player is Jason Tatum. He needs the ball. Your second best player is Jalen Brown. You want him to have the ball. Marcus Smart is there. He's a guy who could have the ball. You don't necessarily need a Kemba Walker. Meanwhile, you need somebody big in the middle. Personally, I think Moses Brown is probably going to be a bit player in this league, kind of like a Boban Marjanovic, where you throw him in in the perfect matchup, and he can go out there and dominate for you. Probably not a long-time starting caliber big, but I think that that's Robert Williams for the Celtics, and yep. he there, there's a lot more responsibility for him to be the guy right now. You got a little bit of a tutor there, I suppose, and Al Horford, if he sticks around for a little bit, and maybe Sweet Moses um, is a nice pickup, but for, uh, for Kemba Walker, man, like, I just feel bad for this guy. He went from Charlotte, we're like, finally, he's going to be able to play for a contending team here. And then his coach becomes the GM and immediately ships him out. Not a great look if uh, you're a Kemba Walker fan here. He's basically being salary dumped after his worst two seasons in the league. So, I don't know. He's got an opportunity, I guess, in OKC if they keep him around to improve his uh, trade value coming next season because... You don't need Kemba Walker. We don't need OKC to be the point guard rehabilitation stop of the league. Like, that's a very weird thing. You just go there. You have the ball in your hands a lot. You get to pass it to Shea. He makes you look good. And then you go play for another team. Odd stuff. Odd yeah. stuff from the tumbleweed capital of the NBA. Yeah, but that's likely the conversation. You're right. That totally. Preston and Kemba Walker are going to have. Like, hey, man, come in here. Kill it for a couple months. You know, uh, you know, test that knee, get get up to 20 points, per, whatever it is, and then we'll flip you to the Knicks, man. We'll flip you to a big market that's going to talk themselves into like, yeah, Kemba's back and looks good. And, and you know, we'll get another pick or another young prospect and, and you'll go to a situation where you can maybe uh, be playing in a, in a playoff series and leading a team or being a second or third star on a team. Yeah, that's that's basically exactly how they hope it's going to go. You're right, Tass. There, there's a, a risk there in that Kemba could just be injured again and not play though they had Al Horford and they were like all right, hey are you playing. injured he's like no I'm fine and like nah yeah I think you're it I think you shouldn't play uh we might be moving you we don't want you to get injured so just go home Al uh take those big beautiful eyes and just go home uh because he didn't even play uh for what was it like 20 games oh, final 21 games in pretty yeah, much long, yeah it was something like that so uh it, it's wild down there we got Presti in this year's draft the Thunder have three first round picks I think I have this right because yeah they're going to find out where theirs falls in Tuesday's draft lottery. Uh, they have the fourth best odds. They're tied for the fourth best odds. So they're going to have a high pick. 
And then they've got now this 16th pick from Boston, and then they've got the 18th pick overall from the Miami Heat. So there's, there's three there. Some people are saying, oh, maybe they're up to something, Taz. Maybe they're going to sure, do a I package so. deal and try and get an actual player in there to go with SGA and go with Dort and go with the, the young team they you have. Uh, it's possible, but it's more you likely he just like, drafts them all, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like the, the Celtics were able to, to move up and get Jason Tatum, or move down, I should say, and get Jason Tatum for Markel Fultz, right? Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they were able to trade the three for the one, essentially, with some sweetener. You know, maybe Presti's thinking the same thing. You want four? We'll throw in a, a 16 that we just got. She's a beauty. Uh, and get the player that they wanted to or whatever. I, I, I assume that is the plan. Um, but I, don't know. I, I also don't know how deep this draft is, as, as Sam Presti even sure does. Mm-hmm. It's supposed, supposedly deep, uh, even after Cade. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah top, what, top five or six, they say, or, they say or, is... I mean, you hear this every goddamn year. Every we do, no, no, you don't. Last <laughs> year you heard it no. wasn't a deep draft, and it and ended then it up being into an incredibly deep draft. draft. Yeah. So people yeah. are just making stuff up. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not super worried about the salary cap because I don't think anybody on OKC is even past their rookie contract yeah. at this point. Like, you can afford to spend a ton of money on Kemba Walker yeah. if you're only spending money on Kemba Walker. Everybody else is bargain basement contracts, to be quite honest, and that's the way that the, the Thunder wanted if Kemba Walker starts playing too well. He will pick up a mysterious injury. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or he'll be moved very quickly. Uh, yep. One or the other. Hey, stop helping us win. Get out of here. We need some more picks. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's weird to have a trade like this, Lee. Not only just before we actually recorded the podcast, but uh, in the playoffs. Mm. You know? Just strange. Yeah, you, can, you forget sometimes that trades can happen when the, when the other teams that are out of it you know, they can go to work. They can get on the mm-hmm. on the on the phones and, and make a deal here. It's just uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's happened before. I just can't remember off the top of my head over the last couple yeah. of years. Like a, a trade like with significant names, I guess, uh, being moved here in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> in, the, in the second round. So. Yeah, I mean, Al Horford, obviously, uh, he opted out of his contract there in Boston as well and signed with Philadelphia. So I wonder how he'll be received there by the Celtics fans because uh, I think uh, they wouldn't appreciate him going to sign with an enemy like Philadelphia. But you know what? It's a few years ago now. And Al, everyone loves Al. No one no one really doesn't uh, dislike Al. But, you know, I, look, I think he can still be the sort of guy, though, who's, you know, be a serviceable guy. You know, whether or not he maybe potentially plays uh, back up to someone and just comes yeah. off the bench. He's 34. You know, uh, but I think you're going to get a solid, reliable veteran out of him. He's not going to pout. He's not the sort of guy who's like, you know, if you're not playing me, I want out of here. I think he can still uh, be a good team player. So, you know, maybe the Celtics can still get something out of him. Yeah. I mean, if Paul Millsap can contribute here and there in Denver, mm. I don't see why Al Horford, especially defensively, uh, <laughs> you know, he's going to he's gonna chip in. I'm with you. I don't want him to be my starting center at this point of his career. But, yeah, back up. Hey, absolutely. Jeff- Jeff Teague was getting playoff minutes in this playoffs. Somebody give Damari Carroll a phone yeah. call and see what he's up to. What do you think about this here, Skeetsy, from set B? Sure. If you're Shea Gilgis-Alexander and you see your general manager keep trading guys for first-round picks, I'd be kind of shook. I've seen this a couple of times in the stream team. Mm. Should Shea Gilgis-Alexander be worried here? Had Chris Paul alongside him. He gone. Had Al Horford alongside, alongside him. He gone. We're all kind of expecting Kemba Walker to be the next former all-star who's there and then is not there is, is that a weird message to be sending to your so-called star um well i hope they've had the conversation i guess sga and, and, and the front office i'm thinking you know like they don't want like a 10-year gap in your two best players right when you are uh, trying to build something so they're doing this weird thing where it's uh we're trying to find another 
star by way of the draft, of course, uh, that we can pair with you, SGA. Like, we're trying to find you um, whatever. <laughs> the, the MJ to your Pippin or the Pippin to your MJ in terms of uh, just having, like, a, a fearsome twosome there. A basically, basically, like, a Jalen and uh, Jason sort of situation. They're just trying to find that. It's weird. Yeah, it's got to be a little strange, but I don't know. SGA's so laid back. The guy's so chill. I don't think he uh, ultimately cares right now. If he gets a second star with him that's young, that you can come up with, then I think he's going to be happy. But it's a great point by the stream team. Uh, it's happened time and time again here in a very short career for SGA, uh, just making his way over to OKC. Yeah, yeah. this guy's on a uh, Well, he went from the Clippers to OKC. Yeah. His OKC team's changed just like that. So, yeah, he hasn't really found solid footing yet, but he is the cornerstone there. And... I don't know. He's at the at the worst. He looks like your number two, and like you're saying, maybe they get that number one, and it's all gravy. And Sam Presti's plan works out perfectly, or maybe they draft the guy who gets injured in his very first season. And Shea Gilgis Alexander's like, we're bad again. How many times can I play for a bad, bad yeah. team and then see the best players traded? Yeah, and it's it's a good point by Seppi because we see young players taking control of their destiny a heck of a lot sooner. We see the blow up going around Luka Doncic. They're trying to please him just after three years of his career. We see what's the story from The Athletic about Zion Williamson. He's two years into his career, family around him unhappy, you know, that they're making moves like trading Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, those kind of moves where they're trading for draft picks. And, and I get uh, the, the idea with Sam Presley. Trey brings up a good point that they're only paying Kemba Walker the next couple years they have to get to a salary floor anyways, as per the NBA rules. You can't just uh, pay $5 for your for your roster. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I guess I'm just optimistic. I guess I just want a good team there. Uh, so I'm yeah. just thinking, you know, you kind of handcuff yourself in year two of this deal. Maybe there's somebody that, you know, you're, you're able to get via trade that's a, a star. Like, you know, somehow... The Rockets were able to nab James Harden from you, uh, and you don't want to pay a guy. Uh, but... Yeah, they're probably just going to draft, and Sam Presti's going to take the uh, uh, the old trust the process route and uh, see where we go for years on years on years. This does not help my bet with you, though, TK, if I'm being honest. Our SGA will be an all-star within two years, which we made basically, I guess, two seasons ago at this point. I have one more season for SGA to reach that all-star status with our bet that we made, again, a couple of years ago. But if Kemba comes in, you know, and steals a little bit of the uh, spotlight, steals some points from my guy SGA, that's going to hurt his chances. Though then again, maybe he helps the team win some games and, you know, you're in yeah, the mix yeah, around yeah. the uh, the All-Star break. It's going to be a fascinating watch that only you and I care about at this point. Uh, I think we've got uh, 1,154 people, it looks mm, like, invested. in the stream team right now. They're going to care as well come February of next season when Shea Gilgis-Alexander will not be named an All-Star. Mm. I'm feeling good about this one, yeah. Skeets. I felt good when we made the deal, and the Thunder have just gotten worse and worse since then, despite the fact that Shea, he's an All-Star caliber player. Yeah. He could certainly make it, but uh, I don't know if the team success is going to be there. Yeah. Is, uh, can I ask, is the trade canceled if they change the All-Star format? Like, what if it's USA versus the world? Shea gilgis alexander has oh, got a shot wow, wow. at making the All-Star team. Mm. Ooh, does he? probably won't. Does he? Yeah. I think so. Is yeah. he a top 12 international player? A guard? Yeah. I mean, top six guard, I uh, think. I would. He's borderline. Wow, that's tough. Top six guard. That's tough. It's not a lot of... 
a monstrous Luka. guard. That's a good we point. That's a good yeah. point. You get a Nikola Melli in a in a Rising Stars game pretty easily when you're yeah. He's probably in because of the guards. You're right. There's just not a ton of international guards. Okay, that's what I'm praying for at this point. <laughs> uh, for Silver to change the All Star game into a into an international versus Team USA. Uh, my final thought on this, Lee. I just tweeted it before we jumped on. Is this the most handsome trade in NBA history? Mm. Kemba Walker and that beautiful smile in exchange for Al Horford and those gorgeous eyes? Now, someone came right back at me immediately. It was like, Kelly Oubre Jr. was traded for Ricky Rubio last year. <laughs> wow. And I was like, damn. Okay. That's a good one. It's a good retort. God, someone was Slap sitting back. on that retort. I, I know. Mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, well, just we just found I, our next look, uh, top five list, the most handsome trades. I think Rubio is handsome, but I don't think he can touch Kemba and Al Horford. I sort of agree. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. Al Horford, he's, like, he's, he's elite. And Kemba, yeah, Kemba's smart. Smile lights up a room. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's got to be this one for sure. Kelly Oubre, you know, if you like, he's got his niche. Like, you know, some people really <laughs> like that style. Is he handsome or stylish? I'm not sure. Oh, I, w- I would say he's oh, more he's stylish both. than handsome. He's both. You think? Mm, yeah. Kelly yeah. Oubre easily. I think I think Oubre and Rubio in a blowout, personally. Wow. wow. <laughs> so, I mean, this is very subjective, made. of course. Uh, what, what you consider handsome. Okay. Uh, let's hear from everybody in the stream team. And if you can think of another one by the end of this show, by all means, uh, you know, drop it in the stream team there. A, a, a handsome trade. It's got both mm. players, both key players have to be, uh, you know, <laughs> above average in the uh, handsome trade. Wait, get traded, or did he sign? Has oh, he got Jesus. traded? Okay, he? let's yeah. not go down this rabbit hole. Let's let the stream team do it. We uh, again, we got to get to uh, all these head coaching vacancies, and we got a game to talk about. Uh, so you know, we had the Southern lawyer set us up for the uh, Kemba Horford trade. Well, let's have Zaza cue us up for this one. Game seven! Oh my goodness! Mm. Good stuff, JD. Yes, the Bucks bounce back to beat the Nets last night, one hundred four eighty nine. And they force a Game 7 baby Saturday night. Oh, I love it. I love a night weekend Game 7. I don't like them during the day. It ruins everything <laughs> for me. But, Tass, uh, you know, let's talk about the game and then moving ahead to Game 7 and we can make predictions and all that. But what would you think about the Bucks? Uh, you know, pretty dominant performance. You know, at least, at least when the Nets made runs, the Bucks always had an answer. For sure. Um it's nice to hear from the Georgian lawyer, the Southern lawyer, and then the Georgian lawyer. So that's a peculiar lawyer from Georgia, not so much. Uh, anyway, uh, let's start this off by saying Reggie Miller was right. Reggie Miller hinted that Kevin Durant and James Harden should sit game six because they're not going to win. Rest them for game seven. Boom. Reggie, everyone owes you a huge apology on the Internet. Uh, they... I, I say that because uh, the home team has now won every game in the series, and it was it's key. Yeah, the the Bucks were able to hold off the Nets, but they they won the hustle points in this across the board, mm-hmm. offensive rebounds, second chance points, huge in the fast break category. Yeah. Both teams didn't shoot well from three. It was uh, you know it was potentially I don't want to jinx it, but it's like one of those ugly game sevens, but it was in a game six variety. I mean, guys ended up finding their shot uh, enough. Um, no disrespect to Chris Middleton, I'll get to in a sec, but it was it was one of those games where uh, th- there was some clanking going on. There was just, it didn't look like the Brooklyn Nets, you know, incredible offense uh, that they had all season long. They're just sort of out of sorts with James Harden, but uh, kudos to the Bucks and especially Chris Middleton. James Christian Middleton. I had to look that up because I was. <laughs> his, I, I thought, is his first name Chris? He's not a. He's not a right. Anyways, his name is James Christian Middleton. Oh. Uh, looking back at his 38 point night, I would have thought 
he got going from the beginning. Uh, but he didn't hit a field goal in the first quarter at all. And if they lost this game, it would have been one of those games. So where's Chris Middleton in the first quarter? you got to put your foot down. Uh, but Chris Middleton showed up in the second quarter, and he did not stop. And he didn't even play the last four minutes of this game So uh, because it was a blowout and because there was garbage time. So 38 points uh, just had the flow going. Uh, they allowed a, a little too much space uh, for Chris Middleton, especially with those offensive rebounds that they were getting. It seemed like... Chris Middleton was stopping every little momentum run the Nets were getting mm-hmm. as soon as they got an offensive rebound, throw it out to Chris. He was the only one hitting threes, essentially, for this Bucks team. He, he was the only one who had a really good shooting night. But Giannis was uh, doing his part and dunking. And um, I think the, the, the Bucks did a better job of finding some, at, at least a little bit of deterrence for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant still got 30s shot. Uh, 50% in this game, but I think they did a good job of Giannis guarding James Harden, and then when uh, whenever Kevin Durant got the ball, James Harden's guy Giannis was was ready to pop over and help out on Kevin Durant, because we know James Harden can't drive, and he played a little better, but he can't drive, so I think the Bucks a little kudos uh, to Bud for for pushing Giannis, even though he wasn't the primary, primary defender. He was helping out. Uh, so it was an ugly game, no doubt. But the Bucks got it done with only two bench points uh, before crunch time. It was just uh, somehow, some way, they got it done uh, by hitting enough shots. Middleton set a career playoff high with 38 points in this. 11 of 16 from the floor is mad efficient. Five threes, 11 of 12 at the line, too. And Tassie said it. Every time the Nets made a 10-0 run, be it KD during uh, one third-quarter stretch there, and then there was another time early in the fourth quarter, it was always Middleton. That had the answer. I mean, he would hit the bucket or he would get to the line. I loved Lee, the two buckets late in the third quarter uh, from Middleton. About a minute left, there was an offensive rebound from Tucker. And then Middleton just took Shamit in the post. Too small. Hit the turnaround jumper over him around the free throw line. Next possession, like semi-transition. He just like walked by Joe Harris. It was a brutal closeout on the side. And then he just popped and stopped a baseline jumper. That was big. And then he ended that with that little weird buzzer beater at the end there. So that was like that 6-0 Middleton run. But that was big. And one night after Paul George had what we said was his best playoff game ever, Middleton had his best playoff game ever. That's his best. You can go look it up. I mean, in terms of mad efficiency and obviously in a must-win game, he came through and I was railing on this guy early in this series when he wasn't going to the line at all in the first two games. Two free throws combined in those two games. And now over the last four games, this guy is shutting me up and maybe shutting up some of the Middleton haters. He's averaging 38-5 and five over the last four games. So he is helping Mid- uh, Giannis out here in this series. So he was awesome last night, Middleton. Yeah, you have to give him credit because he stunk in those first two games. I mean, everyone did for Milwaukee, but he has uh, responded and he's answered the bell. And yeah, I mean, we thought uh, 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 what the key to a Bucks victory would maybe hitting the threes. Well, as sort of Tass alluded to there, they went two for 25 outside of Chris Middleton. They went seven for 33 on the night. That's usually like a recipe for disaster for uh, Milwaukee if they can't get that going. But maybe, Bud, it's taken up to the, you know, game six of the Eastern Conference semis. Maybe he's figured it out. You know what? Tight rotation, basically six players. Yeah. Giannis didn't take a three last night. Giannis, in fact, to me, 
had some Shaq-like sort of moves and scores. He, he bullied Jeff Green on one where he just kind of like shoved him out the way and and uh, and had a little floater or sort of lay up in the lane. And then he had a big dunk, like a Shaq-like dunk, where he just jammed it through the rim. And it was like, if anyone's going to try to stop this, they're going to get hurt or I'm going to get a foul as well. And that sort of aggression is what we need from Giannis. I think uh, all of his baskets were in the paint last night, going downhill, attacking, putting pressure on that uh, interior defense that's really lacking for the uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. And it worked. So, uh, I mean, this wasn't a LeBron game, six game in Boston there. No one really is going to remember it. I mean, you know, Milton was good, but it wasn't that. It was more just kind of like they had to get it done like they did in game three, and they did, and they didn't sort of uh, shake at any point when the Nets went on a couple of those runs. So Mm -hmm. it's a fascinating situation we're in now in game seven because after a performance like that, you think that the key for the Bucs here in game seven, I think, is to keep doing what they're doing, attacking the paint. Obviously, if they can get the three-pointers from Middleton and from some other guys, that'll help. But I think they can see a blueprint for how they're going to put themselves in the best possible way here to win. Kevin Durant had a quiet-ish game after considering what we saw in Game 5. That was good. James Harden was obviously much better, and you expect he's going to feel better and better going into Game 7. The Nets are at home. So they have certainly things in their favor. But Budenholzer, he's in the last chance saloon, and maybe, just maybe... They can uh, they can drag this one out and, and get the victory because I, I think they can see a way to beating Brooklyn, but they have to be very disciplined with their offense. They can't you know they can't get sloppy and defensively they just as well have to put as much pressure on Kevin Durant as possible. And again, also make James Harden work. Test out that hamstring. Make sure it is uh, you know that he that he's feeling it every time down there. That he any score he gets, he has to work hard for it because if they can slow down you know, James Harden and just make Kevin Durant do all the work while scoring at the other end. That, uh, that I think, is the recipe for the Bucks pulling off this unlikely uh, victory. Coach Bud is in the last chance saloon ordering Oof. his final Budweiser, uh, TK, <laughs> <laughs> with possibly a tear dropping in that beer uh, come Saturday night, but maybe not. Have they, have they figured something out? They were sure as hell like more locked in defensively. They were switching everything. They got the home whistle, I think. That helps, of course. Um, but, yeah, can they... Like, can, can they win this Game 7? Like, they can, right? <laughs> Absolutely they can win yeah. this Game 7, Skeets. I know you counted them out after they yeah. won Game 3. I know you all counted them out after they lost Game 5. I never wavered. The Bucks have been great Ooh. in Milwaukee. The question will never be... Never wavered. I'll have to go, go back, back and, and check. check the tape go on back, that one. I don't know go about back, that. Go back and check. And I said after Game 3, the Bucks have to be confident here. They got to okay. win in an ugly game. And you're like, no, nah, they played terrible. The... The Nets played terrible and they still almost won the game, but they didn't. But that's the thing. The Bucks' defense needs to travel uh, to Brooklyn because they've done a great job against KD in Milwaukee getting the home whistle. 30 points on 28 shots in Game 3 for Kevin Durant, 28 on 25 shots in Game 4, and last night 32 points on 30 shots. If his shots are almost equal to his points, then you're going to be feeling good if you're the Bucks. but that hasn't been the case, unfortunately, playing in uh, playing in Brooklyn. They've been great at home, however. I gotta say, the other guy who I think is getting unfairly dumped on this series when you look at the entirety of things is Giannis. This guy has been massive the whole series. 34-11 and 11 in Game 1. 18-11 in the blowout in Game 2, an ugly one. 33-14. and 34-12. and 34-12. and 30-17. Everybody wanted him to guard Kevin Durant after Game 5, but he didn't guard Kevin Durant in Game 6. So I don't know. I guess Giannis has been fine here. He's just as bad at shooting free throws and everybody's looking forward to him failing. I thought him guarding Harden was huge. It just kind of took the Nets out of their flow there and the Bucks made it really hard on Kevin Durant to get the shots that he was getting easily and knocking them down 
um, in game five. So yeah, the, the Bucks can easily win game seven here. We've been talking about, were they, are they ever going to hit 23 pointers? Maybe, maybe the Nets do it though in game seven. That's the thing. It's a total coin flip at this point, And that's why the Nets have to be kicking themselves for not winning that game three. Yeah. I mean, I guess both teams are upset that they, uh, somehow haven't won these, these series already. You're right, Nets game three, and then the Bucks multiple times where it looked like uh, they could have actually won this series already. But we got a game seven. That's what everybody wants. I wish I had time. The Kemba Horford trade threw me for a loop this morning because I was actually planning to sit down and like look at the last couple of game sevens in the postseason, like over the last couple of years. Um, and like, were they close games? Because you know, sometimes like game sevens can like, be overtimes in an NBA game where you're like, awesome, here we go, extra period. And that's like, oh, turns into a dud. Like one team just runs away with it in an overtime period or game sevens. But I feel like over the last couple, we've had some like close game sevens. And I, and again, I meant to like go and really check it. Um, so maybe the stream team can help me out there. Hopefully we have Clippers. Yeah, yeah Clippers oh, kind yeah. of close. pulled away from them late, but it was, yeah, good it was a few fun. minutes. But right, yeah. but we've had some like I know there were ton- there was a good couple of years there was like ugh, some game seven duds where it was like just these massive blowouts. But I think you guys are right. Over the last couple of years, we've had some close ones, and I think that favors the Nets, does it not? If it is a close game uh, at home with Kevin Durant, uh, probably. Uh, you, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna likely uh, bet on them in a close situation, but yeah, who knows? It, it's, it's crazy that the, uh, that we even have a game seven in this series. It should have been over a couple times, probably like I said, on both sides, but here we are. And, uh, I'm excited Saturday night, Lily, you got a prediction for it? Well, I, again, backing against Kevin Durant at home is tough. So I, I am going to take the Nets. Uh, and, and because the Bucks, um, you know, haven't been very impressive at times in, uh, in, in Brooklyn. So I think the fav- a home team deserves to be favorite. Kyrie Irving, not sure what his status is. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, tough to back against the Kevin Durant Game 7. So I'll take the Nets in a, in a close one. Though. I, don't, I don't think this one's going to be a blowout. I think, uh, I think this one's going to come down to the wire. Tass, what's your prediction? And, 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 you know, let's take it to the next level. Who would be an unlikely hero in a potential Game 7? We know KD is going to get his and Giannis is going to do his thing. It's, it's 30-15. It's, you just bank that. But who could be like an unsung hero here? Well, yeah, I, I'm locking in on the Nets. I think they get it done. Uh, the the thing for the Bucks is, yeah, Giannis has been steady. Uh, the reason they win and got Drew Holiday is because they know that Chris Middleton isn't isn't a rock-solid all-star in the postseason. So we saw his 38-point game here in Game 6. Can he come close to that in Game 7? And if not, it's got to be Drew Holiday. And and he still has not had a good game, even though he got up there uh, to 21 points in this game. is was on an 8 of 21 shooting. Still lack. He still just doesn't have it. He has the ability to get his shot whenever he wants. And that is definitely why he's got a max contract there. And... Uh, yeah, he also has more opportunity now that Budenholzer has shortened the the, uh, the rotation. Mm-hmm. There, they're just they're waiting for it. We're all waiting for it. Giannis has done a really good job, but he is not a closer. If Chris isn't going to be a thirty-eight point guy, which how can you expect him to do that? You got to expect Drew Holiday to do that. Um, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, it's what you paid him for. But uh, I expect the Nets to come out and win. Uh, and whether James Harden is better or not, yeah, the Giannis move on him. It's definitely a better move because Giannis is a great help defender. That's why he, he doesn't take Kevin Durant. You don't want Kevin Durant dancing on him, but James Harden ain't moving out there. So he helps out on Kevin Durant. The guy who can get free, though, is Joe Harris. When is he going to go oh. off? I'll, I'll expect Joe Harris to go off at home 
Somehow. Still hoping. Still hoping. It's it's if you're a Nets fan, you're hoping for Joe Harris to find his flow. If you're a Bucks fan, you're hoping for Drew Holiday yeah. just to be that sort of third guy uh to help out. But uh yeah, good sign for the Nets that James Harden got better. I don't know how you get healthier playing on an injured hamstring. I don't, but he is. <laughs> Somehow he got better from game five to game six. So is he gonna be better Saturday night? Exciting stuff, Skeets. I'm with you. Nice Saturday Love night. It. ABC. Uh, yeah, no three o'clock afternoon. No, you know? get out of yeah. here. We got we got I pools agree. to splash around in during the day in the, <laughs> in the hot heat here in Atlanta. The night game, yeah. perfect. That's I love it. Um, yeah, and, and that's after uh, tonight's games too. You, some of you guys going down to the fortress for a game six. Pretty penny, pretty penny oh. to be standing around. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry. You priced you priced out the hardcores, Hawks fans. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure they'll be packed. I'm sure they'll be packed. Um, they could have had a few more diehards in the stand room only yeah there's lots of room in those concourses pack them in there Atlanta. lots of standing room uh trey you, you want to make a, a prediction i know it's very difficult but you know a same the same two questions that i just threw at task who do you got winning this thing on saturday night and like who could be or or what's the key i guess to watch in this game nets in seven for me was the pick and it's still going to be the pick because when it comes down to it they do have kevin durant there have been multiple times in this series in Milwaukee where it felt like Kevin Durant was coming for the Bucks and he was going to take over and that was going to be the game. Kind of felt like that last night, but yep. Giannis, he doesn't get the credit as a closer despite the fact he scored seven during a huge 14-0 run, had that big dunk with about six minutes left, and that ended the game. Unfortunately for Giannis, I feel like a lot of the times when he's the closer, it's just kind of burying a team and putting them down by 20. You're like, okay, that's the game, but yeah. it's not the same in the clutch. Uh, the Nets have been much better, obviously, at home. As a for a random guy who's going to get hot, how about Landry Shamit? Somebody's got to make some three-pointers <laughs> in this Game 7. I think he's made six through the first six games. Give me six in Game 7. I wonder if this is going to be a low-scoring uh, Game 7 affair. Uh, it, it's, it's got that vibe to it, uh, which doesn't mean it'll be an ugly game because those are sometimes uh, you know, very entertaining. But you know, I, I hope it's close down the stretch. I guess i got to stick with my bucks here. If, I, if, they, if they win Game 7, I win $100 from TAS. So uh, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really locked in on this Game 7. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll flip that money around, guy. Oh, no, that doesn't make sense. I was going to say I could help you guys out get those tickets for Game 6 in the Hawks, but unless you want to fly <laughs> potentially to Philly for a Game 7, uh, we'll talk about it offline. Uh, very excited. Let's take our first break, and then we'll get to ranking these available head coaching positions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Got to get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets, the things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. 
Trust in Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs, whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney. It's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash no dunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash no dunks. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? (laughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash no dunks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash no dunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash no dunks. All right, with this week's news that Rick Carlisle has stepped down as head coach of the Dallas Mavericks and reports that neither Scott Brooks with the Wizards or Stan Van Gundy with the Pelicans will return as his team's head coach, we are now suddenly up to seven teams uh, searching for sideline replacements. Could be eight after Saturday night with Coach Bud. Like you guys said, could be nine, could be ten, could be eleven. Those seven head coaching vacancies right now in alphabetical order are the Blazers, the Celtics, the Magic, the Mavericks, the Pacers, the Pelicans, and the Wizards. So the question is, Lee, what's the most attractive NBA coaching job available? And we thought it would be fun if you counted them down from you know least desirable head coaching mm-hmm. job to the most desirable head coaching job i know you sometimes struggle when it comes to the countdowns are we going up and down i want you to count backwards seven to one one to most desirable what do you got okay man? well i've got quite a bit actually so uh sit back and relax okay, okay. the <laughs> most important factor for me in becoming a successful coach is the talent you have you know okay. steve kerr and steve nash are very smart their first jobs were on stack teams We know how it went for Steve Kerr. And Steve Nash is in a good spot to do something similar. Mm -hmm. And I think we are likely to see, very likely to see, a female coach for the first time. Given so many openings, and I think there's a a team wants to be that sort of historical team to name a a female coach. There's plenty of qualified candidates. So I think it is going to happen. But I think it's very crucial that whoever that is, 
is on a team that has a legit chance to at least make the playoffs. Because if a female is to join a team that's in rebuild, rebuild mode, it can so easily go badly and then it'll be like, well, see, women can't coach. I think that's almost like going to just be a given. And it's very tough even on a rebuilding team. Owners, GMs, fans, everyone's impatient. Nobody wants to hear, hey, we're like going to be good in three years' time, four years' time. Right. So you haven't got, even if it is your first time, even if it's uh, an owner who says, listen, we're signing you a four-year contract, doesn't always mean anything really. So anyway, I took into account what I believe is short-term success and long-term success. I looked at cap space, draft picks, and historical free agency appeal. Wow, cap- look at this guy cap- doing his homework there on a Thursday. No, no happy hour. This guy had all the time in the world. For, uh, for cap space, I use basketball reference. And for lottery odds, I use tankathon, okay? So I know some of these things sort of vary a little bit, right? He's his material, all right. Well, I just, Are you I don't campaigning want- for one of these jobs right now? <laughs> you know, get in the Mavericks front office. I know you got the shorts, buddy. Give me a call. Look at all these sites I can navigate. <laughs> I'm not saying yes, but I'm also not saying no. So, yeah. But anyway, I just and just in case someone is saying, oh, you know, on this side it has this or this or that. These are the two that I used, okay? okay. So I'm going with number seven first. Uh, it's the Orlando Magic. Here are the pros. Okay. Fairly clean cap sheet right now. No grotesque contracts on there. Some intriguing talent. Wendell Carter, uh, RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, I think, yeah. actually was uh, quite good for them. But no absolutely must keeps. I think anyone could be had on that roster right now. They have two first rounders coming in from the Bulls, one this season and one in 23, protected, but still, you know, potentially I think as high as four for one of those. Mm-hmm. And another one from the Nuggets coming in in 2025. So there's some, there's some draft capital there. They have a 14% chance at the number one pick this season. And they've had the number one pick three times in the past and have gotten it right pretty much every time. Chris Webber, Shaq and Dwight Howard. Uh, they've committed right now to around $100 million for next season. So in theory, they have enough to make a decent free agent signing. Maybe not a max there. Okay, so that's the pros, the yeah, cons. Yeah. Highest paid player for next season is Gary Harris. Then it's Jonathan Isaac at 17... Uh, Gary Harris at $20 million, Then Jonathan Isaac at 17 And Markel Fultz at $16 million. And Isaac is also their longest commitment. Four years, $70 million deal starting next season. Just no real star on that roster. There's right. no one there that you're like, great, this guy is is definitely going to make the, the franchise move. No one like that. Not a free agency destination either. Their biggest names have been Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill 20 years ago. Almost got Tim Duncan, but they didn't. Um, after that, you've got a Rashad Lewis and maybe a Turkaloo. So, you know, Orlando's not really on the radar, I would say, for right. that. So whoever takes over, you've got a ton of work to do from the start. A team... Made the playoffs the last couple of years, but or, or, or they didn't this season. But uh, you know, prior to that, winning a couple of games, but not. But you really. have low expectations, at least with an Orlando Magic job. Yeah, you do. But again, so, as I was saying before, fans have been like waiting since the Dwight Howard trade for something to change. Yeah, and it hasn't. Yeah. So they're saying you're coming in saying, "Can you be patient for another three years?" Like, ugh, you know. Anyway, yeah. I just okay. don't think it's a it's a hot spot. Okay. Uh, number six, Indiana Pacers, the pros. Already some real talent there. Sabonis, Levert, Miles Turner, Brogdon, all of these guys under contract too for at least two more seasons and have been together for a couple of seasons except for Levert, of course, already. I think there's an identity, a familiarity with that team. No one has an awful contract so they can move someone. Sabonis is obviously an all-star, all-NBA caliber player. They don't have room for a max contract right now, but that's okay because of the the players that got there. They've got a few second-round picks coming in the next few years, but nothing major. I think they're a better team than their season ended as well. I think there was some chaos there with oh, Bjorkman. They were injured left and right. They were, and, and yeah, yeah, they, they were coach. injured. So I think they are actually better than what we saw from them. The cons. Uh, look, they're a good, solid team. They work both hard, hard at both ends. The problem is they're not 
great at one thing and they're not terrible at another. They're not le a legit contender right now, I don't think. Last season, they finished 14th in offense, 14th in defense. You know, nice. they basically gave David up Steven, exactly baby. what they scored. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're good. They're just not that special. Uh, according to Tankathon, they have a 1% chance of getting the number one pick. Uh, I don't so think you're telling happen. me there's a chance. <laughs> wow. There's a chance. There's okay. a chance. And also... They signed Malcolm Brogdon when they got him away from the Bucks, but other than that, not a not a huge free agent destination right. either. So that's uh, that's counting against him there. But again, not a terrible position. Should make the playoffs, so it's okay. Okay. Yeah, Washington. I actually think that that's a good spot to go if you want to be named Coach of the Year. Totally. Because I'm thinking the Pacers have a major bounce back season. I think Sabonis played the most games of anybody on their team this year, and he missed ten games as their best player. Basically, their entire starting lineup was out at some point during the season. So as long as you come in, you're a chill bro and you don't piss off everybody in the locker room, you're almost guaranteed to have a better year as long as, uh, you know, injuries are sort of a, a normal level for the Pacers next yeah, year. Yeah, I'm high, I'm high on this Pacers job too in terms of it being desirable. I know Nate Bjorkren is the weird exception, but it feels like you're allowed a couple years there to, to get your footing. You know, you already have a good team, like you said, Lee. You know, you're pretty established, that squad, if they if they don't decide to move off of a Sabonis or a Turner, which they could. Uh, I, I like that job. I like that job just in terms of, like, stability, a coach of the year possibility, you know, where you're up suddenly to the fourth, the third seed maybe, if it all goes right. Uh, but I get it. I mean, there's a bunch of other good teams. That's the weird thing with all these vacancies, yeah. Lee. Is it, like, I mean, it's outside of the magic. These are all, like playoff teams for the most part are in play in tournaments and stuff like that all these other jobs that's the crazy part these aren't a bunch of crappy teams they're mm. a bunch of average to above average teams so it's a little weird yeah well yeah see that's what happens with the uh, washington wizards coming in here at number five the pros <laughs> look the pros not many to be honest because they've got two really good players for now but i'm not convinced they will or should keep beal and westbrook for next season because look they both have one guaranteed year on their deals, and then they have a player option for combined around $84 million the following seasons. This season's incredible rally at the end was fun. It was impressive. It was awesome watching Westbrook break the uh, triple-double record. But in reality, it was nothing more than lipstick on a pig. You know, they weren't close to contending. You know, they, they weren't really like, maybe they can make some crazy run here like the We Believe Warriors. It wasn't really that. It was more just like, wow, they looked like they were trash. They kind of got it together. But I don't think long-term... This is going to be the team. I think Beal, he, he, he's gone whether or not he asked for it or not because I think it's like time to move on. Now, look, Ajimura, I, I think he looks okay. Thomas Bryant, when he was playing, uh, he was going okay as well. But again, no one there that you're like, man, that, this is the guy I can shape and mold into like a superstar. Uh, the cons, they can't get the number one pick. They've got Bertan's contract still. Not a free agent destination. No cap space anyway. This is the other problem with Beal and Westbrook on your books, taking up so yeah. much of your money right now. They can't actually go out and entice a free agent to come and make a veteran free agent to surround those guys because they're taking up too much of their money. They also sent a heavily protected first rounder to Houston in that deal for Westbrook. So they've lost that. They've got a few second rounders coming and going, but nothing significant. So I sort of think that if you're going to Washington, it's like, is this team, how is this team going to look next season and even halfway through next season if they get off to a bad start? Westbrook's into his 30s, we know that. You know, some injury concerns. And Beal, I just sort of feel that we're at that point. Again, Beal's playing good soldier. He's saying he doesn't want to uh, trade. He's not going to move us to go out of Washington. But I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. So if you were to take that job today, I think the team and roster could look really different 
uh, this time next year or even halfway through next season. So yeah. some uncertainty. That's why I would have Indy above uh, Washington personally. Yeah, you're probably that would right. Be my you, concern. You guys, it could yeah. be a, a you know um, a James Harden like situation in Houston where a new coach comes in and suddenly it's like, uh oh, your star player is like, bye, I want out of here, and it's like, <laughs> oh god. Now what do we have? Yeah, that could happen. You could see it happening. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, I probably put. I was probably a bit harsh in Indiana already looking at that. But anyway, we move on. Mm. Uh, Portland. Now, the reason I got the Blazers here is because they've already got a legit candidate, uh, MVP candidate, and the All Star talent in CJ. Uh, you know, established star in in Lillard. You know, he's going to perform to a certain level, bring them to a certain level. But it's almost a bit like the Washington situation as well. I think there's change coming. I'm not sure what it is likely to be CJ before Lillard, but I don't think it's out of the uh, realm of possibility that Lillard does move on at some point as well. It's not that he's going to come out and say it, but I just think I think the Blazers kind of like, we've gone as far as we can with these two uh, guys here. Now, the cons, you know, Lillard has shown and stated his loyalty, but I just don't think he and CJ are there for, for too much longer. I think they just have to uh, move on because as good as they've been making the playoffs, you know, Lillard's been great in those playoffs. They're, they're, not, they're not a legit title contender right now. They need a change, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, similar with the Wizards, with Lillard and CJ's uh, contracts taking up so much cap space, they just can't go out there and get that big name, that, that, that third big name that could maybe take them to that next level. Norm Powell, likely to get a decent extension uh, this summer. I think he probably stays in, in Portland, maybe, maybe not. But um, Norm Powell is not that big wheel that, that, that they really need there. Their first-round pick also goes to Houston this season from the uh, Covington deal last season. So <laughs> Everybody's first-round pick goes to Houston, it yeah, sounds exactly, like. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, the and there's also goes to Houston. Steven uh, Silas got in early there. If, if the Sixers were to lose tonight here down at the Fortress with you guys maybe in attendance... Uh, are we going to see a McCollum for Simmons type of trade task or a Beal for Simmons type of trade? Is that going to come right back into the news cycle? And is there any possibility that it, like a trade like that could hurt, could help both teams um, in, you know, in, in regards to the Sixers getting a score, an actual guard perimeter player that can score and get a bucket late to pair with Embiid and a defensive minded guy like Simmons pairing with, a, you know, if I look at Portland with a Lillard. Is there, have you taken this to the trade machine? Well, I mean, I have. It's got I some prospects. There's something there. It's got some prospects. It, it feels yeah. like a trade that could help both teams that would need to. They need to do a little bit of a shakeup. They got to switch up what they're doing. So, absolutely, that's it's uh, that's a good one. Uh, the Blazers, yeah, high on the priority list, defense. Yes, yes. But but high, <laughs> but they got to make it an even higher priority than last year because they tried last year with Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. Now I think Yusuf Nurkic is going to be the first domino to fall uh to be a, mm. a little bit more of a quick defensive team um to that's that's probably the most important thing you know you can pick off ben you can you can pick off guards and get into the middle and they're slow but uh i see what you're saying mm. uh, yeah but i mean the sixers most definitely they are they have to daryl has to make a big move like that i think i'm calling daryl Morey by just his first name i think uh <laughs> i think it's ben over tobias even though tobias would be uh Probably his first pick to move, but much you're going to get contract. more in return for Ben Simmons. I, I, I would think at this point. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay, Lee, love it. Keep it going. Okay, number three. I think. Three. Yeah. I think we're up to yeah. Okay, the Boston Celtics. Uh, now look, two young stars locked up long term. The, the Celtics. There's no way they're moving Jason Tatum. I think it's incredibly unlikely they move Jalen Brown. There's been some whispers about that. I don't think that's going to happen. Now this sort of changed a little bit this morning because I said their periphery pieces 
like Kemba Walker, he doesn't want to be there, is up for grabs. We know that that has now happened. So he is, uh, he's gone. And as far as um, draft picks, that they don't have any problems there as far as losing their first. So uh, they, uh, of course, they gave up the 16th pick for this deal. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's not, you know, the 16th pick is fine. You can live with that. Uh, the cons for the Celtics, now it might change a little bit because I said they had no real cap space for next season. That probably doesn't change, actually. Horford's contract was probably not too far off Kemba's. It's about um, 10. 10 yeah, last they got some Okay, so they did make a little bit of room there. Um, you know, so listen, overall, uh, it comes back to my sort of first point, the talent. You've got two who are all-stars this year. Uh, should have been, Tatum should have been an all-NBA player as well. I think Jalen Brown at his best could also sort of find his way onto that. I think Brown could be an all-defensive player. So when you've got two young stars like that, I think that's a, an attractive position to be in because that's what you want. That's ultimately what it comes down to. There's no question about uh, the ability and the talent those guys have. It's just now surrounding those pieces. I think Marcus Smart could be had for something as well. I like him, but it's one of those things. It's like maybe it's just trying to uh, mix things up a little bit. So I think the Boston uh, job is pretty attractive. Uh, number two, I'm going with the Pelicans, and there's a, there's a lot of reasons for this one. You know, a legit franchise-altering star entering his third season. He's young enough to be coached and molded. This is where he sort of varies a bit from a Damian Lillard, who, not that Damian Lillard's uncoachable by any means, but it's just harder to coach a guy later in his career who's so well-established. Zion isn't that just yet. You know, some co- concerns about his long-term future. We saw, the, you know, a report coming out uh, of New Orleans this week but the thing is, New Orleans still owns his contract uh, for the next three seasons, no matter what happens. So there's time here to get it right. They're not going to trade him. They're not going to say, okay, it's, it's, a, it's, it's time to blow up the deal and, and trade him for stuff we can get now. They're going to have Zion Williamson for three more seasons. You know, Brandon Ingram, he's been fantastic in his couple of seasons in New Orleans. And I think someone like Jackson Hayes has potential. I think Alexander Walker has potential. So there's some talent there. But this is also where it really helps. They've got so many first-round picks and swaps coming in the next few years from the Lakers and the Bucks. I believe it's four outright firsts and three first-round pick swaps with those two teams. They also have a ton of cap space for next season because Zion's still under his rookie contract. Ingram's, uh, he signed a, a long-term deal, and maybe they do get Lonzo Ball back, but they've got enough room there to, to move around. So David Griffin has got a ton to work with here. He's just got to get it right, and he has still got a little bit of time on his side. You know, he, he, he knows, obviously... Uh, Zion will be entering uh, his third season with his third different coach, which is not ideal, but that's okay. You've still got a little bit of time on your side. So the cons, a little bit chaotic, which is never a good sign. You know, it is. It is. Yeah. You know, These drama. reports were not good coming out no, of, uh, you no, know. No, no, and, and, and as I've mentioned there already. Zion's family's not happy, basically, with uh, where the direction of this team is going. So, hey, yeah. get out of here, Stan Van Gundy. Uh, yeah. Which, I, you know. The, the, these young guys, these generational superstars, they have so much power that if he, if he or his team or his family say we don't like this coach, I mean they're almost they're they're held over a barrel. They they like okay, then we got to get rid of them, right? Same similar mm-hmm. to what of course maybe is happening in Dallas with Luca saying I don't like this particular person in the front office or whatever. It's like they have to bend to the whims of these stars. You almost have to. Yeah. Uh, or they're going to be like, well, I don't want to play here. I don't care what my contract says. I don't care what max contract I sign. I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to make life hell for everybody, and we're going to be in the news nonstop. So you'll just have to trade me. So anyway, sorry yeah, to interrupt. But as you. I say, as I say, time is still on David Griffin's side for now. I think I think he's still got a little bit of time here to get things right. You know, again through these draft picks, maybe through free agency, and if he gets if he nails the next coach and someone really unlocks Zion and Zion's you know vaulted into the MVP conversation next year, and the Pelicans start winning, 
things can change very quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I have him there because I think you would uh, you would love to coach him. And uh, but the number one spot is Doncic in the Mavericks because he's the best talent out there. He, he's young. He's already said as well. He signaled that he's going to sign that rookie uh, max extension despite what we've seen happen this week. You know, Luka Doncic is an MVP candidate. We know what he can do in the playoffs. You can see how good he is. I think if you were a, a coach and you could pick, you'd say, I want the best player I can coach. And I think he is the best player out there. So on paper, the Mavericks have an enticing roster. Porzingis is obviously the biggest sort of uh, question mark. Is he good? Is he not good? He's had his issues. But maybe after a full summer of working out a preseason, you know, working on so many of those things, if he can live up to his potential, then I think you're in a really good spot there because he's a young player as well. Uh, so there's plenty of room here for these two to grow. It's not time just yet to sort of uh, you know, sever the cord and move on from him, but it may be if Porzingis comes in fresh and healthy next season and he still can't quite perform to the level of an all-star, which we expect him to be. So listen, I think Mark Cuban... He's going to do whatever he can. He realizes the situation, and now there's a somewhat urgency there to get Lucas and talent. Now, Mark Cuban hasn't gone into the tax for a long time, about a decade. According to my last count uh, from Spottrack, uh, Spot he went into the luxury tax uh, about $150 million, like for about nine years. So he has done it, but he just hasn't done it since they won the championship. Maybe it's time for him to have to do something like that. He's got the money. We know he's got the big bucks, so uh, he can do it. The cons. Look. They need, I think, a big name free agency, uh, free agent this summer. I think they're probably going to re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, they have the cap space for it. He sort of has earned that money uh, because they owe in this Porzingis deal. They still owe the Knicks their first round pick this year and 2023. So you know, they haven't. They're not going to be able to sort of get that high pick in the draft this season. And Mark Cuban just doesn't really like the draft anyway. He prefers free agents. So that <laughs> he just says, "Hey, uh, Bob Lugaris, just pick whoever you want." Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> look, the reason ultimately <laughs> pick an Australian. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, the reason I uh, I go with Luca is I think his star power overrides everything because I think he's the best uh, player out there to be coached. Uh, you can argue Lillard's you know better, sure, but I just sort of feel there's a little bit more uncertainty there in that Portland uh, future. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I just feel like, say, with Lucas saying already, I'm signing the rookie Mac extension. So there's not that, you're not going into a situation where it's like, he's in that uh, lame duck season where it's like, oh, maybe I don't sign it. They could obviously sign him to the uh, qualifying offer anyway. And he would only be a restricted free agency following that fourth yeah. season. But the fact that he's basically said, just give it to me, I'm going to sign it, I don't care, uh, is a good sign. So for me, the Mavericks is the most enticing job out there. Yeah, see, this is interesting. You're, you're going with Luka in Dallas and then Zion in, in New Orleans as like the star players, the young players you'd want to build around. But you're also picking the two franchises that have the mer- most turmoil, I think we could say, in, in their front offices and with what's going on with the organization. So it's like on one hand, yeah, you're right. And you and you broke it down. You said, no, I want to. if I'm a coach, I want to pair myself with talent and like you're picking basically like the best young guys you know Lillard as the exception there maybe the best player still of the bunch but a little bit older but man you're going into some uh some choppy waters tasks it potentially under pressure yeah right yeah both situations both situations for sure I, I get where Lee's coming from I want Lee's ranking of of the seven franchises where he'd like to work would you rank <laughs> Dallas 
as mm. number one of all those. Like pure wow. cities? Just the cities? Well, no, it's oh. going to be situational. Oh. Like the team. You got to work for the team. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know. You like Trajan Langdon in New Orleans. <laughs> You'll probably be working under him a lot. Lee's got, Lee you like David somebody Griffin. with the Dallas Mavericks. He's already got an in, I feel like, with yeah. the Mavs. Don't you yeah, know I would. But you know what? I want to live in California. Yeah. I'm down to the Warriors. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to live in San Francisco. That's a smart call. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Off the board. Nice. <laughs> uh, Trey, great job, Lee. That was awesome. Love you breaking that down. Uh, you counted down perfectly, too, from seven to one. Did I? I don't uh, know. It's always well yeah, with you. But the pros and cons, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Trey, what did you make of his list? Is there one that he had in a, in a weird spot to you? What do you think about the, the most desirable uh, Mavericks at the number one uh, spot for him? What do you think of his list? Well, Skeets, like we said, uh, I've got Pacers over Wizards, but I'm not spending any more minutes talking about those teams with (laughs) regards to this. But at the top of the list, I agree with Lee, despite the turmoil going on in the front office and the kind of uncharted territory that the Mavericks are going to be going into here with uh, questions at the top of the organization, which hasn't been the case in over a decade, I still think he's the guy because you've got an MVP candidate in Luka and already an established playoff team in the Mavericks. Now it's just figuring out how to be the best version of the Mavericks that you can be. And theoretically, if you're a coach, that's your dream, right? Saying, I got an MVP I can build my team around. That does sound enticing. And I and I think you're taking... I think you're taking the Mavericks over the Blazers because the Mavericks are earlier in their team building process right here, whereas the Blazers, it feels like it's starting to fall apart and you could be losing the star, where at least with the Mavericks, you've got the star. Also, you're taking the Mavericks over the Pelicans because the Mavericks are a little bit farther on in their build. So I'm actually with Lee. I would maybe bump the Blazers up to number two, but I think the Mavs is number one. Um, Just to to circle back to what you said off the top there, Lee, and I know you've got a fantastic breaking t-shirt on as well, Bet on Women. I saw a bet going around that the odds on a woman being named a, a head coach like for this offseason to the start of next season, let's say, game one, it's like plus 200 no. Um, or excuse me, plus 200 yes, actually. it was more. The odds are in favor of there not being a, mm. a, a female head coach by the start of next season with all these openings, with all these names like Lawson and Weatherspoon. And Becky Hammond and, uh, you know, Stanley, even more. Yeah, Stanley, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was that was fascinating. I was looking long yeah. and hard at that one. That plus 200 for, uh, for yes, there will be a female head coach named by the start of next season. So do you think there will be if you were a betting I think man? there will. Yeah. I, I, I think there will be one. I, I and I, I actually think Dave Griffin might be uh, might be the first one there to do it um, because Witherspoon has been in the front office for a while. Um, there's a female owner there. Um, her name has escaped me right now. Gail but, Benson. Uh, that's the one, Gail Benson, yeah. So, um, and again, I don't think it's tokenism. I don't think David Griffin's mm-hmm. like, I just want to be the guy who hired a female coach. I think, you know, he he uh, believes that uh, Witherspoon could coach that team. And, Zion uh, has know, a if, great relationship, apparently, with her. Exactly. Too. He's worked he's worked closely with her. And so, um, you know, uh, Becky Hammond is probably the favorite, given that she's been with the Spurs as an assistant for so long. But... Um, who knows? Who knows if one of those other teams will take it, the plunge? But uh, I think it, it's, you know, Greg Popovich says it, basketball is basketball. And that's the thing about it is if you are a smart person, you understand how to coach and communicate, man or woman doesn't really matter as long as you're out there getting the results. So I just, like I did say, so let's the top, bet I, our houses on it, man. Let's okay, do it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like us uh, at the, the roulette table. We just, we'll just throw it all down, yeah. uh, you know? <laughs> 
plus two. Yeah, no, I'd, so I, I think especially when we have so many op- uh, openings as well, you know, and, and yeah. the other openings, look, technically the Atlanta Hawks job is open. I think Nate McMillan's going to get that no matter what. <laughs> yeah. One question, Quinn Snyder, if they lose tonight, I think he's been there seven seasons. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, look at the Jazz in the playoffs. Oh, they have a pretty good built-in excuse, especially if Conley and Mitchell don't play tonight. They're like, what about last season? What about the season before uh, against the Rockets? They went out and out too. I mean, if the yeah, Rockets are missing yeah. their best player, mm, you can I, see it. I, I, I think he'll be there. I don't I know what would his contract situation is. Well. I don't know if he's like up. I don't know if his salary or sorry, his uh, yeah, his deal is up or what that. But I think I, I, look, I think he's a good coach. But I think if they blow this from a two-zero lead, especially with Kawhi out. Uh, Fairly new ooh. owner as well, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, yeah. right? Think Dwayne Wade's uh, going to coach? Qualtrics <laughs> slips right in there. Maybe, maybe they'll just have the Qualtrics app or website coach the team. Just do it. They did it in. They were doing it in Dallas with Bob Vulgaris coaching it with uh, the AI with AI happening and all the the lineup information. I think Milwaukee probably jumps to the the number one spot of this list uh, when all said and done. I mean, Dallas is. Uh, definitely attractive, but at the same time, if you're a coach uh, looking at that spot and you hear all this stuff about people in the front office dictating your lineups, telling you how 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 things should be played on the floor, I, I think there's some hesitancy, but Luca probably overrides that. But I think Milwaukee's going to sneak in uh, at the number one spot because I think we're sitting here at the end of the bubble saying uh, well, Bud's job is on the line. Bud's job is on the line. Bud's job is on the line after they got bounced. To the Heat, they gave him one more chance, but I don't see it going past Game Seven mm-hmm. if they lose. I just don't see that. But uh, I don't know. Then just go watch Teresa Weatherspoon's inspirational um, segment if you're if you're looking for uh, if if you're looking for a little inspiration this weekend. Pelicans assistant head coach, she's the best. She's awesome. Uh, she's really really good. Hopefully, hopefully we are betting on women. The very least one, two, three. There's sure. there should be options for for next season. I mean, what are we what are we waiting for here? Let's just do it. Other news: Hornets Rookie of the Year Lamelo Ball and Wolves guard Anthony Edwards were unanimously selected to the NBA All Rookie First Team on Thursday. Both rooks received votes on all 99 ballots from a global panel of sports writers and broadcasters. Why is this one out of 99? They're usually out of 100. What happened to this uh? one person? They forgot to submit this. Uh, joining Ball and Edwards on the all-rookie first team, Kings guard Tyrese Halliburton, Pistons forward Sadiq Bay, and Rockets forward Jayshon Tate. All-rookie second team, Knicks guard Emmanuel Quickly, Grizzlies guard Desmond Bain, Pistons center, Big Beef, Isaiah Stewart, Cavs guard forward Isaiah Okoro, and Bulls forward Patrick Williams. Yes, the florist sneaks in there with a last-second delivery, just getting in there to the all-rookie second team. We can make this pretty quick, Trey. Uh, I I actually almost... I always forget that they name an all-rookie second team. (laughs) It's just sort of funny when you think about it, but you got to show some love to the kids. Any surprises, though, Trey, or if you want, biggest snub when it comes to this? (laughs) Oh, let's talk snubs. I think uh, this is pretty solid, though. The top three rookies are on the first team. Yep. Uh, LaMelo, Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton. I also think Sadiq Bey, probably the number four rookie during this class. Number five, though, uh, you kind of take your choice. Jason, Jason Tate, a solid choice. Could have been Bain, could have been Stewart, could have been Quickly, but got the top four right. And one of the number five, so all good by me. You know I love seeing the florist there on the second team spot, but if you're talking snubs, got to start with Cole Anthony, who last night tweeted, I ain't even going to lie, y'all are mad disrespectful with three laughing faces 
and then he pinned the tweet. I love to see that really sticking to his guns, pinning the tweet to his profile. <laughs> he finished fourth in scoring, seventh in rebounds, fourth in assists. Pretty solid counting stats for a rookie. Hit two buzzer-beating game winners, which could maybe be a record for a rookie. Uh, at the very least, though, it's a solid case for him. But he only played 47 games, so I'm sure that that's the argument against Cole Anthony. But he would be my number one snub, I suppose. That's fair. Tass, any other snubs? You agree with the Cole Anthony? Uh, you're upset about it. What do you think? Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of snubs out there, actually. Uh, surprising when we talked about this draft class before going into it. No one really knowing if who the number one pick was. Uh, after reading uh, the replies to Sham Sharanya's announcement of this on Twitter... I realized, oh yeah, there's there's a lot of good rookies. I'll just fly through some of these replies here. Malachi Flynn, snub. Where the f- is Precious Achua? Poku? <laughs> I mean, so, Poku, yeah. Poku? Yeah, it was just, it's just fun to say that. Uh, LMFAO, Desmond Bain over Cole Anthony. Yeah. James Wiseman snub. Tyrese Maxey Rob. Where's Jalen Smith? Uh, let's let's skip that one. Uh, Faku Campazzo Rob. WTF. Peyton Pritchard Rob. I would say a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys, solid. Right. Solid NBA Potential there, and, and a lot of yeah. those guys, mm-hmm. and, and Pritchard, Composito, the oldie, Maxi, Wiseman, of course, Wiseman, a lot of potential. Cole Anthony, <laughs> uh, potential to be a star in this league, you know, a borderline star, uh, and then a lot of solid players like Achua and, and Flynn came out of nowhere to be really solid. But I think the guy who flew under the radar the most and who's on that first team and and Trey called him the fourth best rookie is Sadiq Bay. The guy was. A baller this year uh, for the Pistons and kind of upstaged Isaiah Stewart and, and, and Killian Hayes. The guy is really, really freaking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he set he set a lot of marks uh, as a three point shooter for for a rookie. Um, that, that's a very good skill to have in 2021. He should he's going to have a long, long career in this league. He can be really, really good. No one really expected him to come out and shoot the ball uh, really well, but uh, yeah, ten games. At least five three pointers, the most all time by a rookie, set surpassing Steph and Iverson. So that's that's a great sign for the Pistons. And there are reports, Lily, that uh, the Mavericks were debating between uh, Sadiq Bay there and Josh Green, who they ultimately selected at 18, or who maybe Vulgaris ultimately selected. Uh, the analytics said go with Josh instead of Sadiq Bay. I saw that coming out. I guess was that yesterday or today here. <laughs> but anyway, anything to add to these all rookie teams? <laughs> well, I, I think Emmanuel quickly. I think he hit the record for like 94 of his first 100 free throws. So he should be in the first team just oh, for that geez. alone. Oh. But uh, listen, if we're not going to get a Paku or a Faku, I mean, uh, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, guys, if you're actually that upset about the all rookie second team, you might have a problem. I thought we were sickos, but you really got to take a long hard look in the mirror if you're that upset about this but i do like when a guy like cole anthony uses it for inspiration you got to find anything right and so to pin that tweet sure he'll come back with a vengeance next year prove more what about this what about this skeets from chris win no. need at least five all rookie teams from skeets for the sickos no, you could fill it out no, I you just could named, you like, basically did tass yeah ah uh, yeah. yeah okay no. i'm gonna do that no. i'm coming back monday with a five all rookies. Five deep. Wow, All right. Wow, 25 okay. rookies? I think that's a fair number. I think uh, Anyeka Kongwu making a run here in the playoffs oh, yeah. uh, to get on team number five. Okay. Devin Vassell, he played. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of, like, contributing rookies. You're, you're, you're not mm-hmm. wrong. You could, you could do it. This would be actually one season you could because you couldn't do it a whole bunch of other seasons. You nope. would be hard-pressed to get to your uh, 
all-rookie fourth team and actually have like guys that legit played and contributed. But this year, Definitely. it did feel like a lot. All-rookie first name team, Chuma mm. Okiki. Good name. Chuma Okiki of the Magic. He was hurt. He would have been higher on this list. Aaron Neesmith. That's a good name. I like a Smith with a knee in front of it. I like it a lot. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get to Tweet of the Night, and we'll set up tonight's games and rapid fire. But one final break to hear from our sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, back with no dunks. Time for Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, what do we got, Tass? Well, Tweet of the Night is a fantastic reply to J.R. Jackson of CBS Sports's question out there. Throw it out the question. You need Giannis Tetacumpo or Ben Simmons to hit a free throw to save your life. They both have been struggling. He asks, who are you choosing? And that's when Ben Gore replied with the best reply. Giannis, at least I'll have time to say goodbye to my friends and my family. Obviously poking fun that Giannis takes over 10 seconds. And it was incredible. In game six in Milwaukee, a section of Brooklyn Nets fans were loud enough to hear at the free throw line counting. You know, on the road in Brooklyn, the whole arena is counting. One, two, Three, he always goes over. Giannis always goes over. But to have it on the road happen and everyone being able to hear it, that's good stuff. That's good it's, stuff. It's amazing. Harden's reaction last night at the line on that one in particular or the, the set there from Giannis. Because it's not just when he gets the ball and it's the 10 to 12 seconds with the dribble, dribble, dribble and the hesitation and all that. It's the pre-free throw routine, which is the backbreaker. I mean, he refuses the ball to like... Basically takes 10 seconds to shoot an imaginary basketball. It's like Trey Kirby uh, playing hoops with no ball, rebounding with no basketball. Like you're uh, from above the rim. I mean, it's wild. Like you add it together and you're looking at a whole lot of time. I think the stat muse broke it down. He, had, he took fir- uh, seven first quarter free throws. And if you 
add up all the time that Giannis like steps to the line, doesn't get the ball, but steps to the line, does his little routine, then gets the ball and shoots it, it added up to like three minutes and 30 seconds. Because it takes like that long. There's just that much time that he's uh, sort of killing there. It's, a, it's amazing. Um, that is a funny tweet. That's a funny reply that you at least get to say goodbye to your fam. <laughs> you, get to, like, yeah, you get to do a whole lot. You go on a little vacation yeah. with your fam before you uh, ultimately perish. Take a trip here. Yeah. Yeah. If it, yeah, if it's a Greek fam, uh, you can have a lot of time to get in those double kisses. No problem. <laughs> not, not just one kiss. Uh, but yeah, the hardest thing at the free throw line was great because Yanis went to the free throw line. The Nets fans are chanting in milwaukee they're they're counting they're counting how long Giannis is taken at the line he got they got to like 12 or 13 i think they got to 13 and james harden goes hey mm. come on that's 13 seconds so harden is hearing the crowd yeah. and 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 he relays that to the ref you can't count man the crowd is counting why can't you count the same way i mean they are counting maybe a little fast but the refs also <laughs> don't want to count a 10 second no. violation that's no. not fun uh, but uh, yeah, three and a half minutes. What is this? Baseball? Oh my God. I mean, uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's pick the it up. Steve here. Traxel of the free throw line. Lee, who are you choosing, though? Are you choosing Giannis or are you choosing Simo to take your oh, wow. life saving free throw? Man, I mean, I've got to, I've got to go with Simo, don't I? I mean, uh, oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. No, he would be like, I'm not, ta- I'm not taking it. See ya. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm taking Giannis th- for sure. Well, yeah, but uh, the thing about Simo, and this is what I was talking on the text message with some friends in Australia the other night, is like Giannis does this sort of thing where he leans back and like that's that's awful. Simo, it shouldn't be as bad as it is. It doesn't look as bad as Giannis. <laughs> For me. I don't care like, how it looks, man. Put the thing in. I want to survive. Yeah, I, know. I, know. I do not I know. care I, how you I, put it in. Giannis, you know, look, Giannis wasn't, he was like 15 or 16 and when he started playing. And I think you can tell that, that someone's really tried to work with him and say, listen, just, you know, like this, this yeah, is but, the mechanical way like, of uh, doing Simmons it. Simmons is at the line. Uh, he's got to hit one to save your life. And like, he's up there and then he misses. And Lee, like, while you're vanishing, while you're dying, <laughs> at least he had good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I, dead, I mean, man. you know. You're done. You know. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, that's a tough yeah. one. That is a tough one. Uh, man, they both should go underhand. We all know it. Just try it out. Who will hey, be? Listen, I'm sure you guys have heard of Josh Giddy, who's a draft prospect yeah. coming in from Australia this season. I, I've, I've got intel that he's been working with Andrew Gaze on his shooting. Okay. So that's maybe what Simo needs. Just go back to our grandfather of Australian basketball, Andrew, and... You can learn to shoot from him. Maybe that's what we need. <laughs> I learned it from this Australian legend, and he learned it from this Australian legend. All right. And, and Tass, you're, you're being humble. I thought you actually had Tweet of the Night talking about Giannis at the free throw line. I got a good laugh out of it. Tass tweeting, Giannis laid on every free throw, making us tardy Greeks proud. With the <laughs> uh, flag emoji. And... Uh, you know, maybe maybe funnier to us here at No Ducks, but of course, a great tweet. Of course. Uh, great. Inside intel. Oh, I love it. I loved it. Okay. <laughs> Whew, where are we in this bad boy? Okay, tonight's game sixes. Uh, here's the question I want for you guys, because my buddy Grish texted me, how many game sevens are we getting? Are we getting three game sevens? Lee, that's the cue. I said no, we're not. We already got one, of course, Saturday night. We got two game sixes tonight. Are they both going to find their way into a game seven, or will both of these series end tonight? What's your, what's your prediction? Man, the Hawks, you've got to back the Hawks from here, don't you, at home? The Fortress will be rocking down there tonight. I think the Hawks close it out. And uh, honestly, I think the Clippers do too. 
Oh, I, uh, okay. oh, man, that was a deflating loss for the uh, for the Jazz. And I also think part of that is that Donovan Mitchell is clearly not 100% either. So uh, the Clippers, this is the sort of chance for them to, I mean, <laughs> slay some demons from the past. I mean, we've never seen this really before. So uh, I They've think never the been in the conference are... finals, the Clippers. Wow, there you this go. The and, and they were up against the Rockets... Um, when Doc Rivers was coaching them and they blew that lead. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I say they both end tonight. I mean, why not? Okay. Yeah, hopefully we can get tickets. That's the bigger question. Yeah, Will so we get tickets? Yeah, so what's going on here? How pricey are, uh, I mean, are they're these available. SROs? Yeah. Yeah, but 173 a piece for standing room only. But that's before taxes and fees as well. Mm, you're up to 200 <laughs> Before taxes and fees, my man. You're up to 200 easy. Yeah, even I have somewhat of standards, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> You know, but uh, we'll Stan see because dirts. no, because they yeah they 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 can drop Stan. if uh, yeah. if the resellers are like okay they're not moving and we only got an hour or two before game time so uh, you know I'm not out of it yet. All right, so so Lee thinks they both end tonight. Uh, Tassie, you got a prediction? Can I? What, what do you want me to text back to my buddy Grish? Is what I'm answering. I think we get one more, but the reason I'm a little reluctant to to pull a trigger on a Hawks ticket is I think the Sixers bounce back. I think they're too good. I think they're too good, and I want to see a Hawks win, but I, I, I do believe in Philly getting contributions from people outside of Joel Embiid. It might be dumb, uh, Joel, but Joel Embiid <laughs> has been carrying this team uh, so much, uh, and he's, he's gassed at the end of games, but I, I think Ben Simmons bounces back, and uh, I think they win, but I do think the Clippers take care of business at home. Mm-hmm. I think they're feeling it, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's demoralizing when your best player is banged up Donovan Mitchell clearly not right. And uh, obviously, even if Mike Conley comes back, yeah, we saw James Harden his first game. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't be too too pumped to, to bet on those guys beating the Clippers who are in such a good flow right yeah, now. Yeah, my gut says the Clippers do end their series tonight too at home. Um, I don't know with the Hawks, Sixers. Trey, you got a prediction? If Even if you, you do or do not find your way down to the Fortress tonight with Steve Kirby in town, your dad? Stevie K coming in town pretty soon here. Uh, the stream team is mentioning that the Hawks are wearing their MLK jerseys, and I don't think mm. they've lost in them yet this season, so what? that's an advantage wow. for the Hawks. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, once the Pope got a hold of them, those jerseys <laughs> were blessed, yeah. and it's come through every single time. Man, I would love to be there, though, Lee, to just be able to yell, Tobias, where is he? <laughs> Come on, buddy. Take a shot in the second half here. You're getting paid $200 million just to score baskets. Uh, you need to score some baskets. If I were you, Skeets, I would text Grish back and say, we're getting one more game seven. Mm. And then don't say anything else. Mm, just leave it <laughs> at that. Because then you could be right either way. I think that mm. well, one of these teams is going to extend the series. I don't know which one. Sure. I don't know. I would actually... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Are the Jazz going to be as bad as they were again? Are the Clippers going to show up in the clutch under pressure again? I don't know. I think we're getting one more Game 7, but I'm too much of a softy to pick. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I think you are right. I do think uh, we'll get one more to go with that uh, the Bucks nets Game 7 on Saturday night. But uh, good luck figuring out these series at this point. Uh, hopefully they're close games. That's all we care about on a Friday night. Okay, let's end this bad boy. It's a long drop podcast. That's okay. It's Friday. With some rapid fire fun. I got the questions today, guys. You guys have the answers. It didn't take Devin Booker long to find a fan who went viral for yelling Suns in four after beating the snot out of a Nuggets fan in Denver. Booker tweeted Monday he was looking for the fan, and by Thursday, Booker had tracked him down and he was offering him a signed jersey and tickets to a conference finals game. Again, 
This guy beat up somebody in the stands. Now, by all accounts, it was self-defense, and, and people around him, you know, uh, agree to that, even if they were Nuggets fans there. But it is still pretty wild. So the question is, you're all dads. When's the time you have maybe rewarded bad behavior? Tass, you go first. Every goddamn day. Every <laughs> single day, I've got one child yelping. Ah! Screaming while the other one is doing whatever she's doing. Uh, today, the other one dropped some raisins while the other one was screaming, and the screamer picked up the raisins and just sucked them back. And so, you know, good for you. I'm not mad at that, uh, but also you're just yelling in our ears. Um, so I didn't re necessarily reward her bad behavior, but I didn't rip those raisins out of her right. mouth. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I could have. Yeah. I could have been upset. Uh, but I guess that's what kids do. Uh, I'm not, not certain. I'm not positive, but uh, just an insatiable appetite for yelling and screaming. So every day, I mean, this is fresh on my brain, but uh, yeah, this kids, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trey, what do you got for this? Uh, I love that my kids are learning how to talk trash because um, mm. you know that's a that's a big part of competition is being able to talk <laughs> trash. Sit around, uh, sit around the dinner table. We're making our picks for the basketball games of the night as we always do, and the girls just love to pick opposite of me so they can trash talk me. But when I explain what tra talking trash is, I'm like, you know, it's just kind of like teasing the other person, like saying your team won't win. So that's the only trash talk they know. They'll pick opposite of me every single time just so they can say, your team won't win. No. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> we got to learn a second trash talk, but that's a good starter, I think. Okay. okay. And Lily, same question, of course. Yeah. Similar answer, actually, because uh, we've got the basketball hoop outside and my uh, nine-year-old plays with some of the kids uh, out in the street. And uh, I've heard him because in one of the books he reads, I think it's Big Nate. He plays basketball and he talks trash. And so when he's out there playing, he works on his trash talking. And I say to him, listen, trash talking is fine, but you've got to make sure you're playing first and winning. You can't just talk trash <laughs> if you're losing. <laughs> and anyway, uh, and they play up to, like, they play 21, but sometimes it's up to 10, sometimes it's up to 8, sometimes up to 14. They just make up a number and they call it 21. It's kind of weird. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, he came in the other day and he said, Dad, uh, Dad, I won. And then I talked trash. And I was kind of like, what did you say? And he goes, uh, just before I hit my last shot, I said, how many letters are in your alphabet to his opponent? And the guy kind of got, he said, didn't know what to do. And he said, you've only got 25 because you ain't got no D. And then I hit the game winner. I was like, oh, oh, I wow. give some of that. My dog gives some of that. Yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Did you teach him that? <laughs> no, it's in it's in his big night. It's in his big night. Oh my god! I was that's like, all oh, right, my man. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Bars. It's <laughs> oh, amazing. All right. There's a there's a book about Nate Duncan. Actually, uh, actually, we we he, by Danny Larue. <laughs> he's got he he can talk some trash. He doesn't even have to tr talk trash. Uh, we were together when he was. Uh, we we're on that slippery slide, and uh, people were taking a little too long in front of him. And he looked at his imaginary watch. He's oh, like, yeah. "What are you guys doing here?" You're talking about Lee's son, Let's not go. Nate Duncan. Yeah, <laughs> not Nate Duncan. Yeah. Danny, get uh, out of the way! Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that is oh, awesome. I, I was. Uh, I didn't know if that was going to be a good question to ask you guys. I thought that might be tough, but uh, that worked out perfectly. All right, next one. Uh, back to Giannis here and the slow free throws. It's been a story for much of the playoffs. Uh, it's sort of worn on viewers, uh, fans, broadcasters even a little bit. Doris last night, I think, a little frustrated. Players, of course, uh, notably Harden getting 
frustrated there at the line with how long it took Giannis to shoot those damn free throws. So the question is, it's a bit of a weird one, what's something you could do in the time it takes Giannis to shoot a free throw, Tass? I can shave in under 10 seconds, wow. under 12, 13 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of surface area, but I can <laughs> shave my neck is what I shave okay. in 12 seconds. Now, I get a... I get a head start because I just use shower water, so I get out of the shower. No, um, right. no shaving cream needed. Neck done. Twelve <laughs> seconds. That'd be, it's moving on. That would have been great if Harden was trimming his beard while uh, Giannis is at the free throw line. Uh, Trey, same question. Ma. Fans should do that. You know, like they used to have the stopwatch up there counting, and obviously they're counting, but like. They should pull stuff out and, like, trim their beards or something. Yeah. See what they can do. That'd be very funny. Uh, for me, you mentioned Skeets. It took Giannis three minutes and 30 seconds to shoot all of his first yep. quarter free throws. I think I could go from completely empty skillet to scrambled eggs in three minutes and 30 seconds. Butter, heat it up, bubble it, pop your eggs in there, stir them up, high heat. We're going fast. Heavy curds for these eggs. <laughs> Three minutes and 30 seconds, I think you can get it done. Okay. From cold pan to, to hot <laughs> eggs. <laughs> cold pan to hot eggs in less than three minutes and 30 seconds. I think it's possible. That's the next Fast and Furious 10. I was it's just going to say diesel that. Cooking. You took it right out of my mouth. Uh, Lee, what do you got? What are you doing in the time it takes Giannis to shoot a free throw? When I come back from doing the grocery shopping, like got a you know trunk full of all the sorts of bags, I never make more than one trip up the stairs. I hate it, so I just pile everything on. Mm-hmm. But despite all that weight, I'm like in that world's strongest man competition. You know, when they're carrying those things, I'm just like, kids, get out of the way. I'm coming up the stairs. I'm not stopping for anybody. Mm-hmm. So you got it. And it's tough. It gets those last ones at the top. And it would be close to 10 seconds, but I think I get there just before the buzzer sounds. So, uh that's my that's my task. That's my challenge to do. <laughs> Final one here, the NBA draft lottery guy. It's on Tuesday, which means we'll soon know which team is in position to draft possibly Oklahoma State star Cade Cunningham uh, with the number one overall pick. He seems to be the consensus. But why wait until Tuesday when we are going to do a happy hour during the NBA draft lottery? Yeah, we're bumping it up to do Tuesday. We usually do it on Thursday, but we're going to have some fun during the draft lottery Tuesday night. We'll have more info on Monday and early next week. But I just want you guys to tell me, we don't even need to watch it. Just call your shot. Who's going to win next week's NBA draft lottery test? Give me the Orlando Magic, guy. Wow. I believe. (laughs) I I believe in the Magic. Number one, uh, because I I love Cole Anthony, and I, I, you know, we talked about him potentially being a star. I want... Uh, a, a guy who can help Cole Anthony just shift to that number two role. I don't think Cole Anthony is going to be a lead guy on championship team, but, you know, maybe he's got the potential to be a, a second guy. So, And it, they're not a free agency destination, so this would help. And smart points. They make a, they made a great trade getting rid of Vucevic uh, for the, the Bulls draft pick, which has turned into the eighth best odds. They have their own draft pick, which is the third best odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they traded Vuce probably at the, the – you know, the last possible moment that they could. His value would have gone down next year, I think. So, uh, give me the magic, okay. I believe. Yeah, you add it all together, those two picks, and I think they have almost a, almost a 20% chance at the number one pick uh, when, when you take into consideration those two picks. So, they've won it before. They could do it again. Tass says magic. Who do you got, Trey? I just ran a single simulation yep. on tankathon.com, and the Chicago Bulls got the number oh, one overall on. pick with just a 4.5% chance. You think I'm joking, but it's completely factual. They got a 20% chance of ending up in the top four, which would be huge because then they keep that pick that they traded to the Magic. So 
Give me the Bulls and Raptors finishing in the top four. Okay. Both of them. Okay. Both of them. Uh, Lee, who's winning the draft lottery on Tuesday night when we're doing a happy hour? I'm hoping it's the Charlotte Hornets. I would love them to get another star go alongside LaMelo Ball. That would be okay. awesome. So I'm pulling for them. But, Trey, I did a simulation. Guess where your Bulls finished? <laughs> number one. No, number eight. Don't they usually finish at seven? <laughs> yeah. yeah, seven yeah. Eight, that's where they usually fall. Uh, I just did one as well, just for shits and giggles. And OKC is winning the draft lottery on Tuesday night, according to uh, my simulation. They have a pretty good chance uh, at maybe getting it. 11.5% odds at the number one pick. Number two, Tass. You'll love it. The Toronto Raptors. I just got a Raptors wow. number one. Oh, I got Raptors number one oh. on back-to-back simulations. Man, so did game. I. I got a Raptors number wow, one, too. Wow, wow. Are the Raptors <laughs> going to win the draft line on Tuesday? Hey, look. It'd be pretty cool if the Raps or the Bulls, I guess, uh, yeah. win it there if we're doing a happy hour while we're wow, watching Wow, I just live. got another Raptors. I think it's going to be the Raptors. Oh, my goodness. Maybe, Maybe I should be... stop refreshing this, w- wasting all the good luck on the on the simulations. <laughs> oh, a Bulls number one. I'm Simbular over here. I'm crushing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, maybe the Raptors, it's a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a... Uh, a gift for having to play in Tampa all year. Here you <laughs> yeah, go. Thanks. thanks for doing that. I know you really didn't want to go down there, but here you go. We'll oh, see. Oh, I, I got a Cavs. I'm a Tanvir Bular. Oh, my goodness. I think that was his name. That's uh, <laughs> so now the time to wrap it up. That's Rapid Fire. That's the Drop Podcast. Man, action-packed episode there with the Kemba Horford trade and talking about Game 6 and looking ahead to these Game 7s and Lee's awesome breakdown, ranking uh, the most desirable NBA head coaching vacancies. A lot of fun. Leave your comments on this on today's show in the YouTube comments below. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review. Get yourself an athletic subscription. Go to the athletic. I can't talk anymore, guys. It's been a long week. I was on a long stream yesterday long for Top one. Shot. My God. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks to get your subscription if you don't have one already. And uh, keep emailing in your questions and comments to no dunks at theathletic.com. Okay, I'm done. Guys, maybe see you down at the fortress. Maybe see you in a pool. Maybe see you for a game seven watch party. If not, we'll all catch up together on Monday. Clipper bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, I was uh, tardy for the stream today, Skeets. I wanted to ask you about that top shot. Give us a quick little summary. What happened on the top shot? There was there was some uh, some suspense, right? What what you're gonna pack? You're gonna pick a mom or no? No, I don't know. I, the moms <laughs> get all blended together. You know? uh, honestly, the stream was great because it was exactly like this, but me talking to uh, Jacob from Top Shot just about what's going on in basketball. Talked a lot about the coaches, potential trades. He had a good one. As we wrap it up here, he's a Knicks fan, and he threw out the idea of trading R.J. Barrett for Brandon Ingram. Whoa! I saw. Oh, I, I saw that. That's that's the suspense I was because I was about. like, oh, Zion going to the Knicks, you know, Hardy, hard, hard. He's like, no. What about trading R.J. Barrett? He wants to play with Zion and get him for England. I was like, whoa, whoa. So uh, it was a lot of fun. I think it's up on the uh, Top Shot Twitch stream if you want to go watch it again. But yeah, honestly, Tass, I just did this. This is all I do all week: <laughs> jump on streams and talk hoops, and I love it. I'm blessed, guys. Embrace the weekend. You could stay.
baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app. 